you are listening to Win Win, a podcast brought to you by the global nonprofit Win, Women in Innovation. Each episode features inspiring innovators from the startup world, innovation consultancies, and Fortune 500 companies who share their innovation secrets and career trajectories every Monday. As for me, I'm your host, Zoya Kozakov, global marketing lead at Win by night and product manager and university level faculty by day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode. For those of you who don't know, I live in New York City, and the other day I was Googling the average cost of raising a child here in the city because I have a few friends that are pregnant or new moms or looking to have kids, and it's definitely a prevalent topic of conversation in my circles. What my Google search revealed was that for a middle-class New York City family, the average cost of raising a child is $500,000, double the national average, which is so, so crazy. Taking the money aspect aside, pregnancy is always portrayed in this rose-colored lens, and the truth is, it's incredibly stressful to think about from all aspects. The crazy part is that the pregnancy is actually just the beginning, because once you give birth and go into labor, you also then actually have to raise the child and do your job and also be an adult. And I'm sure at this point, all of the moms and not moms listening to this podcast are cringing at my very obvious realizations because they're like, yeah, Zoya, welcome to the world and having children. Are you new here? But really, I think the trajectory and the uphill battle that having children really is something that is still not properly communicated and feels like a taboo. This week's guest is Natalie Walton, who is the CEO of Expectful, a wellness meditation and sleep app for new mothers and growing families. Natalie breaks down the realities of motherhood and pregnancy and shares why she took on this role and became a co-founder of the company. Natalie's very impressive big tech career trajectory working at Airbnb, Google, and eBay took a complete turn when she decided to go solve a problem she experienced herself. Without spoiling too much, Natalie had a very high-risk pregnancy for both her own survival as well as the reality of her at-the-time unborn child. Whether you're an expecting parent or not, Natalie shares some really interesting principles around innovation and her journey into entrepreneurship, and I think we can learn a lot from her. I hope you enjoy, and if you get a chance, check out Expectful or share it with somebody who's starting a family. Hi, Natalie. Welcome to the Win Win Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here today. Today, you are CEO and co-founder at Expectful, a meditation and sleep app for growing families. I know that entrepreneurship was not always in your job description or job title, but actually this time it coincided with your pregnancy and maternity leave while working at Airbnb. So before this experience, would you have called yourself an entrepreneur Um, That's such a great question. Well, I've always aspired to be an entrepreneur. Um, When I went to Stanford Business School um, back in 2010, um, I kind of fell in love with entrepreneurship. They have these great classes at the design school um, where you can launch your own startup within within Stanford. And um, it was just a concept that I fell in love with. But um, Back when I graduated in 2012, um, there weren't really any entrepreneurs that looked like myself. There were very few women entrepreneurs. I can't really think of any women of color entrepreneurs. And so it was just very daunting. It's like, oh, do I really, I don't fit this pattern um, of what entrepreneurship looks like. And so I was intimidated. And 
but it was still something I loved. And so I thought, well, how can I do this, um, but not go full steam ahead? And so I actually found something called entrepreneurship. And I would call myself an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur. And I've, I've always done this for the last 10 years. So out of business school, I went to eBay. I went to their incubation group where I got to work with a startup with inside um, of a large corporation. And um, that was really a pattern that I I followed for the last eight or nine years and um, has allowed me to be entrepreneurial while having the safety net of working in a, a large company. Retrospectively speaking, I mean, you have experience from some of the most impressive tech companies in the world. How would you say that arriving at entrepreneurship after having this tenure at these tech companies affected your lens as an innovator? Yeah, I mean, I, my experience in tech has definitely, it, it's made my experience as an entrepreneur, I believe it's made it much easier. Um, and, and that's just because I, I sat at the other side of the table. So um, oftentimes, I mean, these companies working at Google and Airbnb and eBay, you, you have to think like, how do you stay relevant and how do you scale and, and how do you keep innovating? And so oftentimes um, I, I had the luxury of following many startups. Um, in many cases, I partnered with many startups, did deals with them. And so even though I wasn't exactly an entrepreneurship, I still got that experience uh, of learning how these companies operate. And uh, quite frankly, it, it was, it was, it's just helped me um, as an entrepreneur. And we'll get all into the story of Expectful, but taking Expectful out of the picture, as you were going along in your tech career trajectory, when you were considering going from role to role or perhaps looking at a role after Airbnb, which was the most recent job that you were at, what were kind of the criteria that you were thinking about when moving from one job to another? And if you would have continued within tech, what were you really looking to do? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, so, I mean, it was I was really at a crossroads with um, when I decided to leave Airbnb. I, I had several um, really amazing opportunities, and I, I actually was just deciding between them and Expectful. And so, the roles that I was deciding between were like very senior level product manager roles at big tech companies. And um, those roles were really appealing to me because I've always wanted to be a CEO. Um, and I've always wanted, and the reason why I've always wanted to be a CEO is because it, I find it to be really fun to manage a variety of functions. Like personally, I just get bored if I'm just managing one single thing. And so, um, you know, either for me, that means I need to be a general manager or in Silicon Valley, it kind of means that I need to be a product manager. And so the roles that I were considering were like product manager roles. What I, what I find is like, I mean, a product manager role is, is, is like a CEO and you have that freedom. And so whatever I look for in my next job, it's like the freedom to innovate, the freedom to manage a lot of functions. Um, although you don't get there overnight. I mean, that, that's not where I started my career out of business school. Like you, I think you have to build expertise in a function. And then like once you're an expert in, in a particular function, then it's like you expand slowly to, to the point where you're comfortable and, and competent managing other functions. Right. And so you mentioned that you were at a crossroads. So tell me more about that. What was the crossroads that you were at and how did you get there? I mean, my, my journey to Expectful is interesting. I started advising um, Expectful, which is a meditation app for um, fertility, pregnancy, and parenthood. I started advising them when I was on maternity leave. Um, and I formed a great relationship with the founder at the time. Um, I didn't realize that he was looking for a mother to take over the company. Um, and so it, a bit serendipitous, but 
when I returned back to Airbnb from maternity leave, this was last summer. The world was like in a in a terrible state. Um, my I returned um, to a company that had just let go of a quarter of its workforce, and for me personally, I decided that the role that I returned to wasn't the role that I wanted to stay in. But that was not the company. I mean, that was just because of you know the state of the reality. That was just the reality, unfortunately. So I was like. All right. If I'm if I'm returning to work and I'm starting from scratch, like what am I going to do? And as I mentioned, I had these really exciting like jobs that I would have two years ago would have been like I'm dying for this job as like uh, being like the first PM building out a, a large function at a big tech company, managing million dollar budget like multi million dollar budgets and something that's really exciting. Or I had this opportunity to come to expect well, a, a startup, a, like um, at the time, like a 10 person company and build something from scratch. Um, well, I shouldn't say from scratch, Expectful really. Um, I mean, we already had a, a great foundation and quite frankly, that's why I came on board. But, but the crossroads is like, do I do something safe that I've always done before that I know how to do that I know will be there? Or do I take this opportunity to take a risk? And, you know, if I'm successful here, I'll be really successful. And if I fail, I will just go back to where I am today. And having coming to a place in your career where it's like the worst thing that happens is that you fail into where you are today. That's a really fantastic reality. And I realize that that's not a place that I will always be in in my career. And it's a very unique spot. And so that is really what helped me um, make the decision to move on to Expectful. Someone, um, gave me really great advice. And they said that the career track that I was on in this corporate world, uh, in many cases, it's it's like the six train. It's going to come every six minutes, like a job at Amazon or, or, or Google, like I, not to say that it'll always be there because they're, they're very hard to get jobs there, but, I, but I've worked there before and like, I know I can get a job there. Um, so those opportunities will always be around, but like the opportunity to work in a startup and, and, and like take the helm of a startup. For me, it's not something that comes around every day. And so when you see those, you know, very rare pearl moment opportunities, take those because if you have a safe option, you know, you can always fall back on that. Right. And absolutely. Like you mentioned, you were already within the subway station. You were at the station having that experience. So for you, it really was a matter of like, you know, which of these next big tech companies am I going to go to? But I do think it's really interesting that as you as you mentioned, you started as an advisor and you joined Mark Krasner, uh, who started this app. But he himself did not have children, yet he was building something out, a new app for new mothers. So what was his initial thinking behind starting the app? And how has the vision changed under your leadership as you are actually the user of the company as well as its leader now? Yeah, that is a wonderful question. So Mark um, is a fantastic human being, and he's probably the most empathetic person that I have ever met. And and Mark started the company from a very personal place. So his mother suffered from depression um, and anxiety when she was pregnant with Mark. And um, Mark had a pretty tough childhood as a result of that. And so Mark wanted to create a product that would would, would help other children um, not experience what he experienced. And so um, at some point in life, Mark got very involved in meditation and he it had a, a very meaningful impact on his life. And he started 
um, doing research around like, what is the impact of meditation on pregnancy? If someone, if a mother that has stress and anxiety, if she meditates when she's pregnant, does, could this have a positive outcome on her children? The research was like very clear that meditation does have um, incredible impacts on, on pregnancy, like on pain, but also on child um, outcomes. And so um, Mark created a problem to solve that. And um, I mean, I think that that solution alone is is amazing. Um, we would all as a society benefit from that. But um, as someone who is still, I consider myself a new mother, I still have a, a toddler and I just went through this. Um, motherhood is, and pregnancy, it is a challenge. Uh, and, you know, I feel like the ex- user experience of being pregnant and being a new mother is broken. Um, and I have that firsthand knowledge. And so like part of that is just like, how do I get the tools and support that I need for my own well-being? I had such a, a hard time finding that throughout pregnancy and new parenthood. And so while when I joined, Expectful was the leading meditation and sleep app for hopeful and pregnant women. I'm in the process now of creating a much bigger vision, and that's the go-to wellness resource for hopeful expecting a new parent. And so over the upcoming months, uh, we'll see our product evolving to meet the larger needs um, that women have in their fertility, pregnancy, and parenthood journeys. Myself, I'm not pregnant and I, I don't have a family yet, but I something I find really interesting about motherhood and pregnancy is how until a certain age, it is this incredibly glamorized concept. And then as you get older, the entire thing is shattered. So most people have difficulty conceiving. A miscarriage is more popular than not. And even once you're pregnant, it feels so far from smooth sailing. So what were your preconceived notions about pregnancy and growing your family? And how are they changed as you actually started growing your family? That is a great question. Like, and and I think you're, you're spot on so many people you just don't get pregnancy and parenthood until you are a parent I mean I am so embarrassed to say how judgmental I was before going through this personal experience even in pregnancy like the first my first part of pregnancy it was breeze like I was going to Pilates going to berries and I was like oh this is nothing and then and then (laughs) at some point I'm like, oh, oh, wait a second. Like, I, you know, I need to take a nap in the middle of the day. It's, it's like, I, I, I can't sleep. And I'm like, this is a, a serious, in, in many ways, it's a disability. And so it, it was through that. I'd say what I didn't really realize was that the challenge of being a working parent, um, particularly, I, I knew being a working parent was hard, but just how difficult it is parenting an, an young child um, and the extra toll that 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 takes and so that's you know in the work workplace like especially in the environments that I've been in I these are environments where you just like you work 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 and I do work 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 um, but I have a limit um, you know because I have a kid and so like I can't work 16 hours a day uh, because, you know, part of those hours I have to take care of my, my child um, and myself too. Um, so it's really just shifted my paradigm on thinking. I have so much empathy for working parents and it's like your hours in a day are really limited and, and you just don't know how taxing it is to have two full-time jobs. It's, it's, it's quite taxing. Right. And so much of that is out of your control too. So it's not like you can just say, oh, today I'll work, 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 work. You're like, no, I can only do work, work, work today. Right. 
you know, how would you like to see the conversation change around all of this? And and what role does Expectful play in all of that? Yeah, I, that is um, a great question. I mean, I, I think that this is a societal change that we're seeing. I mean, this is something that as a society we have to deal with. Over 3 million women have dropped out of the workforce um, in the last year. And it's because society does a really poor job of supporting parents that work. So, I mean, I think that there are a lot of societal changes that need to be done in terms of um, how, supporting childcare and that, that that's to start like that that's really important um and how my company expectful is supporting this is 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 really it's mentally i mean there is a mental burden um for childcare and um of like taking that and so we have the meditations we have um a lot of content around like how do you support your mental well-being during this time you know reading about you and and your entire journey your own pregnancy was was far from easy and as a black woman you were much more at risk for pregnancy so tell me more about that and for those that don't know what that means could you could you explain it yeah so um black women are 3 to 4 more times likely to die during childbirth and um before for becoming pregnant, I was, you know, well aware that Black women faced different hurdles um, in pregnancy than than white women. Um, I mean, there, you know, many people have shared their stories. Serena Williams, Beyonce, and so I so I knew what I was getting into. But my personal experience it was, it's, I mean, unfortunately, being pregnant in America, there is a lot of racism in pregnancy. And oftentimes that's really around symptoms just not being really appreciated the same as, as when a black woman, you know, complains of an ailment that they're not taking it seriously as white women. And, and there's a lot of research behind this, like that, that this is one of the reasons why black women face, you know, different outcomes. And so I, the study that I like to point to is that um, a black woman with a graduate degree is just as likely to die in childbirth as, as a white woman that hasn't even completed high school. And so it's just like, it doesn't matter if you have, if you're wealthy, it doesn't matter if you have, um, if you're educated, it's just like, there's an inherent racism um, that is in, in the medical system that people don't really realize that is, is really having a disproportionate um, impact on um, black maternal health. Yeah. And you yourself mentioned that you were, quote unquote, doing all the right things, Pilates and berries, and it has nothing to do with how well you're able to take care of yourself, but around the system that you are in. So what are resources that you turn to when you are going through all of this? Yeah, I mean, I... I was actually, I mean, expectful. That's part of the reason how I'm here is that um, I, I got to a point where I was just so stressed out um, in pregnancy. Just, um, I mean, I, I had a high risk pregnancy and it was really like, wasn't really being taken seriously. I wasn't getting the responses that I need. I had multiple opinions and just wasn't getting the help I need. And I, I've been meditating for over 20 years, but when I downloaded Expectful and I started really getting into the meditations, specific meditations around pregnancy, and also I got really into hypnobirthing, there was something in me that just uh, allowed me to have this stability and reduce my stress in a way that had not been done, that I wasn't able to do before. And so I, I discovered Expectful in my third trimester, and every week I had been getting a bit, you know, worse and worse. And I was like, I, I thought I might deliver my son at any time. But um, within a week of, of really starting these meditations and getting into hypnobirthing, um, I stabilized and um, I managed to make it to term, which was something that at the midway point, 
I didn't think was possible. And so um, I, I would really say like respectful. That's part of the reason why I'm here is that it just that holistic practice of mindfulness had such a positive impact. Something that Expectful recently launched was Mother Circles. And Mm -hmm. I really do wonder about this role of community, not just with anybody's pregnancy, but especially somebody who's experiencing this added stress based on something that's so out of their control, like their race. So what is the role of community in a successful pregnancy? And and how is Expectful really tackling that with the Mother Circles and beyond? Yeah. So joining a mother circle for me was just a critical point of my entry into motherhood. And without having a community uh, and being around women that were in a similar state, I don't know what I would have done. I mean, I have many friends that have given birth, but there's just this part of society that I hope is is changed, but people just don't talk about what happens uh, in pregnancy and postpartum. And it's like, you have this baby and you, you think, you know, giving birth is the hard part. And then you, you're like, oh, wow, that that's just the warm up for, you know, a month, multiple months marathon of, of raising a child. And so for me, um, having community where you can talk about like these uncomfortable things, like why is my hair falling out? <laughs> or a postpartum depression, like women losing their sense of identity. I mean, who knew that that was a thing? I didn't until I started asking questions. Yeah, no, I mean, postpartum um, depression and anxiety rates have gone up um, 40% um, in the pandemic. And so it's having that community of people to turn to and say like, hey, is this normal? Are you experiencing that? And, and Or maybe saying, no, it's not. And so because it was so important to me, that was one of the first things that I launched within, you know, the, my first 100 days was postpartum support groups. And we, these are groups that we have. Um, they're really small. They're intimate groups. They're led by doula. Um, and they're supporting women through a really fragile part of their lives. Um, and I mean, whether it's unexpectful or whether it is at your local hospital, whatever it is, I encourage anyone that's postpartum or that's pregnant, having a baby, find your community before you, before you give birth, because like that community of people in a similar state as you will be just like indispensable. Even outside of pregnancy, one of the reasons that there are so many more leaders that are men is because of the way that men have been set up to network and and bring each other up. Well, women typically don't have those same resources. So I think in in many ways that mother circle and the experience of finding that community can actually just lead to so much more success. Something else that you did that was just so extraordinary was recently raising a $4.2 million funding round. And some of your investors included Harlem Capital. Capital and Sequoia Scout Fund. Like I said, raising money as a woman is incredibly difficult. To do so as a woman of color is extraordinary. So what was the process of fundraising like for you? Yeah, fundraising was um, an interesting experience. It is really exhausting uh, and it is an exercise um, that um, requires a lot of stamina, <laughs> but that being said, it was kind of, it was, it was fun for me. I mean, I was fortunate. I, I started, um, ex- at, at expectful in the middle of September. And, um, I mean, I came into an entirely new company and I, I you know, came up with a bigger vision for the company in, in my first six weeks around election week. That was my first week that I went out to pitch. And, um, I had a term sheet by Thanksgiving and, um, the round was closed, like, over well oversubscribed shortly after the wow. new year. Um, and so for me, it was just like, it was an exhausting, um, but very fast paced um, experience. And I am really fortunate. I mean, I think 
COVID ha- and, and the pandemic has brought a lot of hardship on many people. It's also accelerated things in, in a way and opened up many doors. And I'm someone that really benefited from those doors when it came to fundraising. So, I mean, I, I had a, an infant at the time. My son was not, he was 10, 11 months old when I was fundraising. I cannot imagine having to zip across the country or zip across the world or just being away in meetings all day, you know, trying to fundraise, you know, being away from my son. I think that that would have been really difficult. Um, And so the fundraising during a pandemic, it opened up the uh, investors that I could have. It also sped the process up. I mean, that's how I was able to close this round really in my first 100 days on the job. So I, I hope that that's something that stays around because I think that that opens up so many doors for women. It opens up doors for minorities, people that aren't on the coast. And and yeah, that for me, that was a huge benefit. The pandemic generally made me and so many other people consider what really is the role of women in the workforce, because as you mentioned, we've seen so, so many women drop out. And so actually this notion of a founder in many ways is showing a different kind of flexibility, but also comes with its own challenges. Do you think that being a founder is almost a new path for women to be able to stay and succeed more in the workforce? Or what are your thoughts on that? That's a great question. I mean, I think being a founder, especially being a founder with a family, like I, I think that I don't know if I'd say it's an easier path um, to to staying in the workplace. But in many ways, for me, it, it, it like might have been like not, maybe not easier, but it was is the right one for me. Um, something that has always been important to me is working on something that I care about, um, um, something that is mission driven the alliance of my values and um i think that we're seeing a lot of um females leave their jobs uh in corporate world to to work on problems that matter to them and and that's a great thing because i think being a woman it can be very challenging and and p- partly that's because we haven't had people building the products that we need i mean that's why like I'm not anywhere near menopause, but like, that's why menopause is is so like, no one has really thought about menopause or like period Mm -hmm. underwear or, you know, just like the fertility journey or or pregnancy. It's because like, we haven't had people historically building for this. And so I I don't know if I'd say being a founder is, you know, a more viable path, but for some, some people that really care about what they're doing and solving a problem that matters most them, it might be like the only way um, to do that. Because for me, what I found after giving birth was like, my time is so valuable. Like, I don't really care about selling something that someone doesn't need. Like if I'm going to be away from my child, like I want to do something that matters. And so for me, that's what a founder has let me um, do. Incredible. Well, before I let you go, I'd really love to ask you one more innovation question. And that is, where do you see yourself and your industry one month from now, one year from now, and 10 years from now? Um, Well, that is a great question. So in one month from now, I mean, there are, I'm, it's fortunate that we're starting to see more uh, women in the pregnancy space and the fertility and postpartum space. Um, I I don't think that that's going to change in the next month. I am sure that in the next month, a couple of more companies will start out. I frequently speak with um, founders that are thinking about getting into it, but within a year from now, um, we're just going to see more and more companies um, emerge. I think we'll see some some companies like 
separate um, in terms of like being showing up as, as more leaders in, in the space. Um, and that's a great thing because we need as much leadership as we can get um, in anything that's related to um, women's health. And then in 10 years from now, I'm really hopeful that uh, the companies that we see today that are innovating now are really solving the problems um, that women face. I mean, childcare is a huge issue. Um, you know, pregnancy and your well-being, that is a major issue. And so I hope that the companies that are, are receiving investments now and that are being created will be um, the answers to to our prayers because we, we need these companies to evolve to meet the needs of women. So and that is my hope for 10 years from now is that we are not in the same place that we are today. Incredible. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your personal journey and your career journey with us. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to Win Win, brought to you by Win, Women in Innovation, and myself, Zoya Kozakal. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit womenininnovation.co to learn more about our organization, programming, and other opportunities. And remember, when women innovate, we all win.